This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. What is going on? Welcome in to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 FM as well. If you want the FM dial crystal clear around the Salina area and elsewhere around Saline County, perfectly heard all the way through Manhattan to Hayes and anywhere in between on KSAL. I am Jackson Schneider. James Westling is out at the the Smoky Hill River Festival, as I stumble through my words. We're off to a hot start today, uh, but we'll join up with him here shortly on our show. But I wanted to get things started. We got some audio for you. We'll start in a place we don't typically, and it's the Kansas City Royals, because don't look now, the Royals have won back-to-back games. Now, I know there's still a, a lot to... I guess a long ways to go for a team that's now just 19 and 37 on the season and still has the worst record in the majors, but winning back-to-back games and scoring seven plus runs in each of them, I would say that's a pretty positive sign, especially considering that the main catalyst offensively for the Royals has been Carlos Santana in those uh, two wins so far. Uh, he homered again last night. He's been hitting the ball very well. He was just one for four with that home run, but still, it's progress for a guy that has really struggled this season, but uh, he's really appeared like he's turned it around. And then you get some of the younger guys as well who are really starting to turn turn things as well. Uh, MJ Melendez was... Uh, one for two yesterday. He did walk twice as well, but that one hit, it was a home run. So uh, even more positives there on the uh, two-run shot from Melendez. The win for the Royals went to Yoel Piamps out of the pin. Uh, Chris Bubich went, uh, I think, five innings last night, or four and a third officially, excuse me. He did not get through the fifth, uh, but still a positive sign. He allowed four runs, struck out five uh, on just six hits. He walked two. And to me, that's progress for a guy who couldn't get through the first two innings to start the season. I know it's still not great uh, numbers-wise, but that's at least a positive sign for me, a positive trend, and that's what I want to focus on. I do have a little bit of Mike Matheny audio from the win last night. Uh, it's about a minute and a half, uh, but here are his thoughts on both Chris Bubich and uh, Carlos Santana from last night. I thought he was better. Um, obviously, it's hard you know, put up a zero to say it's better, but I thought his pitch execution was better. Um, came in, thought he was good, um, establishing the, the glove side with his fastball. I, he used a breaking ball. He got some swing and miss on it. Um, and then uh, the changeup was, was still really good. You know, it's, it's interesting as he elevates, which he's successful at, it, it leads to a lot of foul balls. And those foul balls turn into higher pitch counts. And uh, it's that that catch 22, trying to get the swing and miss or speeding up so you can go back to the changeup. And the next thing you know, you're, you're 20 pitches an inning. And that um, 
I know he wants to finish at least a fifth. So he uh, he was better today, though. Yeah, I tell you, um, you can start to see even the most seasoned veteran start to press and doubt. I've never seen it from him. Um, it's it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Just you know, it's going to happen, and he 100% believes. And um, you know, it's. It's uh, as you get a couple months into this thing, and I've I've been impressed that it hasn't wore on him harder than it has. He's done a great job of the guy's relentless in his work. He's very disciplined in what he does away from the field as far as preparing his body, and I mean very disciplined and um, very regimented. And so he comes in here ready to compete every day, and and has the utmost belief in himself. And days and little runs like this give him every reason to believe. Again, that was Kansas City Royals manager Mike Matheny. The Royals took down the Baltimore Orioles last night 7-5. to They will take on the O's again tonight. First pitch is scheduled for just after 7 o'clock. You can hear that right here, of course, on 1150 KSAL 106.7 FM. The Royals will toss Jonathan Heasley, the right-hander, looking for his first win of the season in his fourth start. And uh, Bruce Zimmerman, the lefty, will go for the Orioles. Uh, Again, that game uh, starting about 7.10 p.m. And again, you can catch the action right here on KSAL. Uh, But let's flip to the other side of the parking lot of the Truman Sports Complex, and that's to the Kansas City Chiefs. As uh, Andy Reid yesterday had his weekly media availability just to kind of check in on things with OTAs and uh, just see the team's progress, hear how things are gelling. Uh, No real headline grabs from from this audio, unlike last week where he kind of got fired up when asked a question about Uh, Tyreek Hill and that whole situation, but pretty standard stuff from Andy Reid, but still uh, very uh, informative if you want some information on what the Chiefs are looking like right now in the early stages of June, as we still have about a month and a half or so until we head into into training camp, into uh, that whole process with the preseason in early August and all, all of that. So just a nice little checkup on the Kansas City Chiefs. So here is Big Red himself. All right. Um, had a good day today. Uh, practices. Going to get the guys out there and uh, a couple of guys that are nicked up are working their way back in, which is good. Um, but working hard, good effort. Young guys are getting better, which is, which is a plus. We're still throwing a ton at them. Um, and they're they're doing well, so um, appreciate their effort on that. Anyways, with that, time's yours. Speaking of people who are working themselves back in, Coach, what, what did you think of Sky Moore? It seemed like he, he was able to do a lot more than he's been doing the last year. Yeah, no pun intended. Yes, he, yeah, <laughs> he has been doing a lot more. He's, uh, he's doing a good job um, of understanding what we're trying to get done. Now it's just a matter of the reps and uh, – and catching up with, with the other guys, what they're doing. With, uh, with MBS, I call him because I have a terrible time pronouncing it. Sure. <laughs> Mark Wes. <laughs> you the same on the field and everything. What have been the, the impressions? What should I ask you about? Yeah, so um, he, he's a big kid, but he's got real good flexibility, hips. He can change direction. And then he's got that speed, which I think we all knew he had. Um, and he's in, you know, he's been. He's able to work some of the primary underneath routes um, that he maybe didn't do quite as much uh, in Green Bay because of who they had there. So um, I, I, 
I've been pleased with how he goes by. Very, very smart uh, kid. And so he's doing a nice job for us, working hard. Do you, how much do you believe in the value of having a number one receiver, you know, that, that idea? <coughs> do you think MBS has a skill set that could be that in your offense? Yeah, I've never really gotten into that. Um, you know, it doesn't, we don't have a position for the number one guy necessarily. I mean, everybody gets an opportunity. I think if you can spread it around a little bit, I think that's the best that you can do. Um, you know, so we've tried to do that, although uh, the great ones always make, you know, make a play here or there. So then people go, well, he's the number one guy. But we don't really determine it that way. Um, so that we give them all plays, that their position, every one of them have plays in the, in the offense and offense that gets called. So it's just a matter of what the defense presents to it and then how you handle it from there. Andy, this is uh, year two of Nick and Willie working together. I just wonder what you see now that <coughs> shows an improvement from where they were a year ago. Obviously, when Nick was a rookie, just how that dynamic may work. This sure. Season. Yeah, well, they've got a they've got a bond. I mean, they've known each other a long time, so uh, they've got that natural thing that's going on there, and then they work at it. And and so I I like what I've seen. Um, I, I think both of them are much more comfortable in what we're doing right now than what they were at the beginning of last year. So it's been, so far, so good, productive. It's been good. This camp's been good for those guys. Yeah. With Clyde, we're talking to Clyde later today. I understand that every NFL guy knows that their job's always up for crabs. When you bring in another guy that's clearly going to be competing for, for carries with him, do you have conversations with, with the guy that was already here? Do you just wait to see how he handles it? How, how do you yeah, I listen. I, I mean, Clyde knows. I, he, that's what the, I tell the guys. We're going to try to bring as much. I tell the whole team this. We're going to try to bring as much competition. That's what that's what Brett does, and that makes you better. And you don't look over your shoulder, man. It's full steam ahead, and just work on your game. But there's going to be competition. Um, but you got to well, competition. Take care of your, do, maximize what you can do. And you don't have to worry about anything else. Best you can do, right? So, I haven't I haven't had it specifically. Talk to him, although he knows, you know, he knows that there's good players there. Coach, specific to Nick Bolton, last year it seems like he, he either met or exceeded your expectations. How does he follow up a year like that uh, in this year? What are your expectations of him coming into 2022? Yeah, um, I, I think the more understanding he has and the more he does it, uh, you even get to see it even becomes more uh, um, friendly to his instincts. And uh, so where you saw him in the run game really be effective, um, now he's able to work on the pass game. That's what these camps are. <clears throat> and so that's where you see linebackers make a little jump from their first year into the second and third year. They get all these reps with the, with the pass game, and, and uh, I think that'll help him down the road just as a, a you know, uh, rounding off his game. So it's uh, – and he's attacking it like crazy right now, so. He's, he's really uh, put a lot of effort into that. There's the uh, news is out there that uh, Orlando finally has an agent. Just how optimistic is Brad uh, now that that has happened? That maybe this is the next few weeks. Yeah. So they. Uh, yeah. Um, he's talked to the, the people that are working with Orlando, and they'll keep doing that. Um, uh, so it's good that he's taken that step forward for sure. And in a year like this, do you look back at kind of the foundation of your vast array of plays? differently than you 
do in any other year, audit it differently, just because of the dramatic change in Tyreek and other options? Well, yeah, so, I mean, you've been around us for a while, Vahe, so we're trying to, we try to say, okay, what's your strengths? Let's exploit those. So we're, we're doing that with some of the new guys. Let's try to exploit their strengths, and then whatever we feel like they need to work on from there, we'll work on it. And that's no different than what we've done with anybody that's been here. So um, uh, that's what, and so there, yeah, there's some different plays in there for different people for what we think are their their strengths, and we roll from there. But in yeah. some ways, you're, you're, or does that mean, mean you're bringing back stuff you've had? Or is yeah, we do that. We, we bring some stuff back. We bring some stuff out of the sky. We bring it. We'll, we'll take any of your plays you got. Hey, Doug. <laughs> Coach, it seems like uh, Josh Gordon had a nice workout today. Just how beneficial uh, has it been maybe now to have been here midseason? Yeah, well, you guys are out there. You could see him that he he's running better, catching better. Um, he's working hard at all of this. Um, he's a good kid and he's smart, so that, that helps. <clears throat> and um, so that's the way he's approached this whole thing. And he's getting reps. Uh, so he can, you know, he can get himself back where he wants to be. Was, because he came in late, was he just trying to get into football shape or was he dealing with an injury? Or, and then alternatively, how much of that is just trying to digest your offense and understand what he needs to be out there without thinking? Yeah, it was kind of getting back in the flow of playing the game. And now, and then you're throwing a whole new offense kind of right in the middle of it all and, and asked to pick all that up. So, um, you know, that's, and probably work himself into playing shape, just getting himself back or seemed like it was moving fast for him. And now it's kind of slowed down. And it's like he's doing better after the catch. When he catches the ball, he's able to maneuver around in space. I think he's lost a little bit of weight. You know, he was pretty big when he got here. He's a big guy anyways, but, I mean, I think he dropped a little bit of weight there, too. Coach, you're such a guy that's been around you for the past few years, Garrett Deer, announced his retirement. Um, you know, I heard someone's on the practice squad or number one man on the roster. What advice do you offer them as they transition? You know, yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about him. He's going to make a lot of money, and uh, he's a good dad, and uh, he'll have a good post-playing career. Um, you know, Chicken and pickle, he'll be chickle and pickle and it's a death. He's he's everywhere. So he he'll be fine. I'm not worried about Dieter. Hey coach, when, when you've got a franchise tag player, they're in a unique situation. Sometimes things either get set by the agent or the player. How do you compartmentalize that, you know, for yourself and for the team? Yeah, I mean listen, there are things that are said and half of it might not have been really said and the other half, you know, maybe was uh, my thing is you just Try to do what you have to do to make it right and be as honest as you can. So, um, and we're we're quiet about that. We try to do everything behind the, you know, with the person that we're involved with, and not tell the world about it. So that's how we go about business. And our guy, our guys, you know, our guys are very honest and and deliberate. And we've always, you know, I, which I think is a, a great way to go and something Clark believes in, but. Uh, fair for the player, fair for the team. Let's roll, and so, um, and that can be done, you know, with a good working relationship. With, with that said, Coach um, Orlando, yesterday on the NFL Network said he felt confident that sure. deal would get done. I know it's five weeks between now and the deadline. Just where do you get the sense that this is handy? Yeah, I think it, I think that way. I mean, Orlando, we love Orlando here, so he's a he's a good human being, and um, he's a good professional. He's grown up around it. I think he's got good counsel. So um, 
you know, we'll just we'll just got to work through it. I mean, I, I don't see anything that, um, you know, that's going to get in the way that we just had the guys working together, keeping everything open like any any other uh, opportunity that you have to do deals with players. They normally don't happen overnight. So you, you work through it and then again, you come up with something that that's good for the team. I know Orlando uh, has a ton of respect uh, for winning and all that stuff. So, you know, you, you're juggling. Peach, Peach has got to do this. So I can say he's got to juggle all the, the salary cap, which is which is a crazy deal. So, but the, the agents understand that too. Ms. Karen? Coach, next week, grand finale, mandatory minicamp, and you take a little time off. Do things ramp up next week? Do you try to get everything in we have to know before yeah. training camp? You know, we've basically got everybody here for the most part. So um, I, we're not going to go back and have to rehash everything. We'll just kind of keep it going. And um, we, we did that early, though. We kind of redid everything back, back when. But, guys, we've had good attendance, and um, especially with the new guys. And... Uh, I've been happy with that. So we, we're just going to keep plowing through and get it knocked out. Yeah. Thanks, Coach. Okay, good. Thank you. Again, that was Andy Reid, the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, with his weekly media availability, just kind of checking in on the status of your Kansas City Chiefs these days as we are early in the month of June. Uh, and early into the new NFL year, but uh, still always a topic of conversation are the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, their uh, efforts to continue to develop throughout the offseason, especially with all these new faces this year on defense and several of the new wide receivers as well. So lots to check up on as always, but I hope you enjoyed that. We'll take a, a quick timeout. And when we come back, we will get our man James Westling back into the conversation. He's been out at the Smoky Hill River Festival this afternoon, so we'll check in with him, see how he's been enjoying his day, and get you some quick headlines as we've got some new Big 12 news to get to as well. I'm Jackson Schneider, and this is In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. Welcome back to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. Jackson Schneider here joined by James Westling live from the Smoky Hill River Festival. I ran over here uh, between our last segment and now a little bit of radio magic assisting me in in that a little bit. We'll welcome in James Westling who's been here most of the afternoon. James, have you been having fun? We're right by the main stage here. It seems like you've just been chilling out all day. Yeah, so I, I have been ha- having fun and took in the Festival Jam last night for a couple of hours. Some great rock music last night at the Festival Jam. And then, Jackson, I must say, I think this is probably the largest Friday crowd that the River Festival has had in at least five years. Wow. It, it is a really good turnout. I think the weather played a big factor. It was absolutely gorgeous today. We're in for another great evening. Before the heat rolls in on Sunday, should be a a relatively manageable day tomorrow, I would think. So a lot of action at the Smoky Hill River Festival. And most importantly, I've been able to sample so far two of the new food vendors. Really? I was about to ask you that. What have you taken in? Because I, I have yet to take in anything today. 
but I need some tips. So I started with the world-famous Big G's bourbon chicken and rice and beans. Phenomenal last night. Uh, They're a new food vendor this year. And then for lunch earlier today, I had the, it's not a hard G, it's a soft G, I've been told, the gyros. I had the spicy uh, chicken. Oh, you know what? I saw that stand yep. over there. Okay. Are you a big Greek guy? A little bit. I, I don't think I've had it enough to really say I'm a big Greek guy, but sure. every time I've had it, I've enjoyed it. So that sounds interesting. Well, both meals I was thinking about you because I walked by uh, the world-famous jumbo shrimp seafood uh, vendor, which is huge. Yes. You can't miss them. They're right in the middle. They're one of the biggest exhibits here uh, food-wise at the festival. So you've got to get got to get over there and take some of that in for dinner. I think I'll have to. And uh, yesterday I was kind of browsing some of the options close to our trailer here, and there's like stuffed cucumbers, some Chinese food, there's uh, chicken and, and all this different stuff, and I couldn't decide really on one. And there's also like uh, street corn, which yeah. is, I don't know if you know, that's another one of my weaknesses. I love street corn or elote. Uh, big fan of that. I make it at home all okay. the time. What's the difference between street corn and kettle corn? Well, so kettle corn is popcorn, but street corn is legit. It's like corn on the cob. Okay. Like and it's fresh cooked or uh, and all that, and you can you add like seasonings and flavors to the corn. Gotcha. On on it, and you just eat it right off the cob. Okay. I'm a big fan okay. of that. It gets in your teeth. But yeah. That's just a small price. So to pay. I can't eat corn on the cob. I have a fake tooth. So. So Fun does fact, Bethany. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. So I I make it at home all, because I love it. I think it's delicious. But we have worked out a system where if I'm making corn on the cob, I have to slice yep. the corn off the cob yep. for and bowl, and we'll season it up in a bowl for so she can still enjoy it. But I eat it straight off the cob. Got to shave the cob. That's the only way That's to do funny. it. You you and Bethany are going to get along. I did not know you had yeah. a fake tooth. You would have had me yeah. fooled. Well, right here in the front, part of it's fake. She she had me fooled for a while when we were dating, too, because she she has a fake tooth, and I would have never known. Okay, so how did she get her fake tooth? Because the stories are always the best part. Well, I, she, she was fooling around in college and, and fell. Oh, okay. Um, and... and that's what happened. But the reason that I know, and she's probably going to kill me for revealing this story live on the radio, but last summer we went down to visit my dad in Dallas. And we got there mid-late afternoon and, and just kind of hung out with my dad that night and didn't really do anything. But the next morning we went to this really nice lunch, and one of my dad's clients owns this really nice restaurant in downtown Dallas. So it's we dressed up really nice. We're getting a nice lunch. And we get these, like, really classed-up tacos. Like, mm-hmm. I think they were elk or some weird, like, unique meat. Okay. We were just like, okay, we'll give it a try. Her first bite, first bite in this super nice ne- restaurant, tooth breaks. The, the fake tooth yeah. part broke off. And so we had to dig it out of the... the mush that she was eating and and we had to like save it and she had to go our whole rest of the weekend down in dallas we went to royals games different restaurants bars all this stuff and none of our pictures i'll show you later none of them is she smiling with her mouth open because she has to cover it up and she had a dentist appointment scheduled immediately for when we got home but she had to tough through the whole vacation with half a tooth. It was, this is yeah. phenomenal radio. Bethany, we're talking about your fake tooth because I have a fake tooth as uh, well. That, yeah, yes, so, yes. So I can't, <laughs> we have something in common in that we can't eat corn on the cob. 
which Jackson's a huge fan of. But how I lost my tooth was a third-grade jump roping accident. Really? It was in gym class. It was a partner jump rope, and my partner and I got, like, off. We weren't really in sync, and I came down, and he went up, and I busted my tooth on the top of his head. Oh, wow. And the amazing thing is, so that happened in third grade. I would have been, like, nine years old. And here I am in my, we'll call it mid-30s, and <laughs> I have never had to have it replaced. Wow. The dentist at the time at like the age of nine said hey when you get older you know this might wear down a little bit so i'm pretty sure i had like the lebron james of dentists wow. working on my tooth Apparently. because it is still as good as it was the day i got See, it you in. you would never know now right but no we, i, we I don't, found I, out which tooth is it this it's great, this one too radio yeah so you guys it's are the twins. same tooth yeah. <laughs> it's the that's same hilarious. tooth Oh, that's funny. <laughs> this is great content. I'm having having fun. What? And Bethany has come back with a stuffed cucumber. Chicken salad. Chicken salad okay. stuffed cucumber. Okay. That is unique. Jackson's I, watching his figure. I was eyeing it yep. yesterday. I didn't, I didn't a healthy say snack. I was going to eat it, but I'll probably sample it, to okay. be honest with you. But, um, James, earlier today, some big news dropped as it relates to the Big 12, and I feel like we should touch on this. Because we are a sports talk show, even though this is a just a good vibes Friday for us out here at the Smoky Hill River Festival. But it is official. BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF will all become members of the Big 12 officially on July 1st, 2023. And so the Big 12 will be a 14-team conference until OU and Texas exit. And according to Brett McMurphy of Stadium, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF will all pay $18 million to leave the American Conference early. Uh, that's $10 million in exit fees plus an additional $8 million to leave early. And the AAC initially sought $45 million from the schools, and they kind of talked them down or worked it out to do it next year, and it's, it's much, much less than originally thought. So a very good deal for all the new Big 12 members, and we're going to have a big Big 12 uh, for at least one year, possibly longer. So I'm not getting very good service out here, so I'm just basically using the screenshot that you sent me from Twitter. But when I saw this, I was pumped because, number one, I think the the quicker this can get done, the better, because these are four really good teams. Now, is BYU included in this? Okay, no, yeah. these are just the AAC so schools the, for the, now? The AAC schools were the ones that had to buy themselves out. But gotcha. because BYU was independent, except for their WCC, like, tertiary sports, yeah. uh, they didn't have to worry about a huge buyout or anything. So are they coming but, in 23-2? Yes, they all four will join on July 1st next year. See, the reason why that's so exciting is because right now, all four programs are really good yes. in a major sport. Cincinnati just went to the college football playoff. Let's get them in the conference now, ASAP. Same thing for Houston. They've been knocking on the door many, many years. UCF, they've had undefeated seasons in the last five years. Uh, they're really starting to make a splash in basketball. They've got a top 25 recruiting class. And then BYU, you know BYU has 19 starters back in football this year. Their preseason they're going to be good. top 20. Uh, they were a top 25 team a season ago. They, a lot of people think they could actually be a dark horse as a mid-major, if you will, to make the college football yeah, and, playoff. Yeah, and they have, that's not the first time recently either. I remember a couple of years ago, they actually played with uh, Coastal Carolina in that like extra added week to try yep. and bolster their resume. And I think Coastal actually 
upset BYU in that game, but they were both undefeated. Or maybe BYU was like 11 That was when BYU had Zach Wilson at quarterback. Yes, yes. I that mean, was, he was yeah. a baller in college. Yeah, that was 2020, I believe, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. Uh, but it's just going to well, be very exciting because, of course, uh, to me, Houston is the most exciting ad football-wise because of the potential that the is market, there yeah. and, and what could that can grow into. They're good enough now, but I'm – I think it's going to be awesome what they can become. And Cincinnati has already proven they're great. So that's, and I think as it stands right now, Cincinnati has the number two recruiting class in football for 2023. They have like 18 commits already, and 15 of them are three stars, and three of them are four stars. Like they are crushing it in the recruiting game. So even before they get to the Big 12, so there's so much potential for what this football conference can become. And I know that this whole realignment shift started with kind of the death to the Big 12 movement, so it kind of feels really good for me to see what this could become now as a backfire to all the other leagues that tried to stick a fork in the Big 12 not even a year ago. Absolutely, and kind of on that same theme, I can't wait to see these teams play with Oklahoma and with Texas because if you look at what that league would have looked like last year with these four new schools in Oklahoma and Texas, it could arguably have been one of the top two leagues in college football. I think the SEC is certainly king, and just the media coverage they get, nobody's going to top them ever. But there's a pretty good chance the Big 12, the new Big 12, could be number two, better than the Big 10. So Oklahoma and Texas is going to get at least one, maybe two years of a taste of that and then have already sealed their fate by leaving for the sec so it's just i think this is perfect in terms of getting all these schools together so that you know and maybe this is just me being a little bit bitter but i want oklahoma and texas to get a taste of how good this league is actually going to be and sure you can go to the sec and lose four or five games every year uh or you can stay in the big 12 and be part of a league that's going to be right up there and uh, and and probably revenue-wise be more than the league has ever been. Oh, I'm sure it will be because of not only the, the footprint but the quality of play. They're, gonna, they're going to warrant some, some high dollar value on TV viewership and everything, uh, and that's just only going to continue to grow. But I will say that I feel like, and I, and I know I'm not alone in this, but I feel like Oklahoma – is much better equipped to leave the Big 12 for the SEC and be successful than maybe Texas. I know Texas thinks they can, but I just haven't seen it from them lately. So I think it'll be very, um, I think I'll get some great pleasure out of watching maybe Texas and Oklahoma struggle just a hair the next year or two with these new teams before they head in. And I do think Brent Venables will kind of kick Oklahoma back up by the time they get to the SEC. But I'm just not confident in what Texas could become by the time they get to SEC football because I'm just I'm not sold on Steve Sarkeesian. This is obviously a big year for them because they had a pretty disappointing one last year. But it just could be very interesting. Well, in terms of wins and losses, um, I agree with you 100%. I think Oklahoma's better equipped to win and be successful. When it comes to football, when it comes to basketball, I think Oklahoma could really struggle in the SEC. But in terms of fit, I think Texas makes a lot more sense in my eyes simply because Texas A&M is already there. You know, that that will renew that rivalry, which was one of the greatest rivalries in sports when it comes to football. LSU is a stone's throw away. So just in terms of the SEC being in the south, 
I know it's the Southeastern Conference, but I, I'm, I'm more okay with Texas leaving. Okay. Now, the reason I say that is Oklahoma is, I think, geographically belongs in the Big 12. You know, they're, they're right next door to Oklahoma State, and now they're going to break one of the greatest rivalries in sports. And the, the closest SEC school to Oklahoma is Missouri and Arkansas. And, you know, geographically, I, I guess you could probably renew a little bit of a rivalry. I know that Arkansas would, would love nothing more than to make Oklahoma their rival because they don't really have a rival in the SEC. They've tried with Missouri, but it's just not working out. Uh, that's one of the questions all the games that I did in the state of Arkansas I never got an answer to is who's your big rival? They they don't know. They don't have one. They've tried to make Texas A and M kind of a rival. Yep. I know they've been playing that in Dallas, but I just don't know that it's caught the it wings hasn't. that they hoped. And it they, would. they 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 hate LSU too, so they've tried to make LSU a rival. But I know they're going to shoot for Oklahoma. Oklahoma just seems like an outsider in the SEC. Even Missouri, Missouri does too. If we could just trade Texas for Missouri, I'd be all for that. Because Oklahoma and Missouri, two schools that were part of the original Big Eight, joining the SEC, I'm I'm struggling to wrap my mind around that. Yeah, it's I'm struggling to wrap my mind around talking sports with bluegrass going in the background. This is <laughs> this is the ultimate test of focus because there is so much going on here at the Smoky Hill River Festival, and there's so yeah. much music and so many great smells and Bethany's. Over here, enjoying egg rolls and a stuffed cucumber and all that. Like, I can't focus, but I have to. Like, I, you know, it's Lock really in. testing me. Yep. I'm, I'm trying my best. You're I doing really a great am. job. <laughs> you don't have. You don't. That have wasn't to sarcasm. Friends You're really doing lie. a great job. Half the time when we're, in, you know what, we're when we're in the studio, we're distracted by our phones or our yeah. computers. At least here, we're just literally sitting side by side actually having to look at each other and speak like normal humans do i feel like sometimes i actually get more distracted and it's my fault uh more so than anything in the studio because i get distracted by my phone or my computer and out here i don't have internet so i'm just talking you know (laughs) dude to dude see that's the difference between you and me is i was out here yesterday (laughs) and i brought my hot spot oof okay rookie mistake rookie mistake but it's okay folks should definitely come out here and say hi to us we are stationed Right next to the main stage, there's some bluegrass rolling right now. Plenty more music going all night long on a beautiful night here in Salina for the Smoky Hill River Festival. But we need to take a break. We'll be back with our final segment here on In the Zone. Final segment of the week here on 1150 KSAL. He's James Wessling. I am Jackson Schneider. We'll be back right after this. Final segment of In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 on your FM dial. We were just visiting with James, who is out at the Smoky Hill River Festival. It is a beautiful afternoon, I guess almost evening now here in Saline County and Salina. So I highly encourage any of you out and about for tonight, for tomorrow, into the, the weekend hours Get out there. Check it out. There's so much food, great music, art, activities for the whole family. There's a great kids section called Artiopolis where you can play games for free and 
You can paint your own festival button, all sorts of stuff for the whole entire family. And, of course, you are welcome to bring your own food, your own drinks as well. Uh, the one stipulation, do not, please, please do not bring glass bottles. Plastic uh, bottles, cans, cups, things like that, that's all fine. Just no glass. It's a little bit of a hazard. So, again, you're welcome to bring whatever you want out to the Smoky Hill River Festival to enjoy it however you please. I was actually talking with Brad Anderson, who's the executive director of the festival yesterday, and that was his biggest you know, point to anyone who is potentially coming. Just make it your own. Do it exactly how you want to do it. Don't listen to others. The prompt was I asked him what was what he felt the one thing people had to do. And his takeaway was to do what you wanted and not what other people say, because the beauty of this festival is there's just so many ways that you can make it your own that that's the best way to go about it. So certainly bring your food, bring your drinks, bring your lawn chairs, your blankets, whatever, or sample all the wares, the foods, the drinks, etc., and just come and have a good time. This is by far one of the more well-attended Smoky Hill River festivals we've had in quite some time just because of of obviously the COVID pandemic and having it in September last year, but it's back and it's better than ever this year. So please, please get out there. Come say hi. I'll be out there as well as the rest of our KSAL staff, our Meridian Media folks. I know Chad and Hannah and James are all out there. So please uh, take it all in and have some have some fun. Just enjoy the weekend. That's the whole the whole real theme of our show today has just been good vibes, right? We talked a little uh, about the Chiefs and the Royals and the Big 12 situation, but out live at the River Festival, we were just hanging out, having a good time, and and that's what I want to leave all of our friends with this weekend. It is such a cool thing for me to still be new to the city of Salina and see an event like this where the community comes together. People come from communities around us to take this whole event in. And it is just a wonderful thing. Nothing but good vibes and fun and great music. And that's just how I wanted to wrap up the show today because uh, it's going to be a good vibe that not only continues into this weekend, but into next week. I don't want to give too much away but we are moments literally live moments from me off air uh, solidifying the biggest guest that we have ever had on this show and i am pumped about it they are a hot button topic these days they've been very busy but it looks like they have chiseled out just enough time to visit with us sometime next week. We'll get that officially ironed out as soon as the show is over today. But I'm just going to leave you with that. Next week, at some point, we'll have more information about a much bigger guest than what we are used to. Much bigger than James Wessling or myself or Sam Henderson or, or anyone but I can promise you, it's going to be a good time. So we'll leave you with that and say have a great, safe, fun weekend out at the Smoky Hill River Festival. For James Westling, I am Jackson Schneider. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you on Monday on In the Zone on 1150 KSAL.